0: Good morning and welcome to the King's Church Podcast. I'm in the studio again, it's great to be back and I'm here with Cathy Lambert. Good morning Cathy. Good
1: morning Jill.
0: Right now, last time Cathy and I were together, we were talking about dying in the process of dying and all things to do with dying and then there were several um deaths in the church we felt it was inappropriate to do the second promise podcast so we've left off till now so i'm going to ask kathy to explain why she's not just some random person i've grabbed off the street but why she's an appropriate person to talk about this subject over to you kathy well jill i yeah i'm kathy and
1: I'm absolutely passionate about the subject of death and dying. And it's because I work in a local hospice here in mm. um, in Darlington. I work at St. Teresa's Hospice. Before that, I used to work at Teesside Hospice in Middlesbrough. Yeah. And before that, I worked in a hospice in France. So wow. um, hospice care is a passion of mine. So it's not just... Death and dying, it's not just people dying, but it's looking after people at the end of their lives. Yes. And that's why I'm probably an appropriate person to be joining you this morning,
0: Jill. Thank you, Cathy. <laughs> that's that one explained. <laughs> okay. So we're talking about death and dying this morning, which we talked about last time. Catch that from the King's Church website. Mm, yeah. But we're going to pick up on what we said last time this morning with um, a few different themes. Yeah, and we're talking about death and
1: dying because we feel that it's just very important um, as Christians to talk about death and dying, knowing that we are living this life to the full for Jesus, but we know that we're going to be going to heaven when we die and that it's, it's an important thing to be talking about.
0: Yeah, that's great. So it's just opening up the conversation. Yeah. We're not experts, although you sound like an expert. (laughs) No, I'm not. No, I'm not. (laughs) Um, But we're just making it, trying to just raise the awareness bar and talk about it in an actual way. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's right.
0: Since then, when I've ever watched telly, it's either um, Ian Botham saying I need Revive for my feet or. Somebody a new kitchen. Or every other advert seems to be about burials and funeral plans and saving and making sure it's the costs are down. And it is a costly business. I just wondered if there is any other way of doing it. I think
1: the fact that you use the word business there, Jill, is appropriate because a funeral director is a business. And they are there to make money. And my parents did something very out there, very out of the box. And I wasn't aware that you could do it, but you don't actually have to use a funeral director. They actually prepared their funerals themselves and they did a DIY funeral. DIY, in fact, it wasn't even a funeral. It was a DIY funeral. Um, burial really and both both of my parents are buried in the back garden of where they used to live so people say oh can you do that is that legal and actually it is legal but there are a few things that you have to do Um, there are various rules and regulations but you can check it with your local council to Mm -hmm. see where are you actually allowed to be buried And what you have to think about to do it. So you don't have to use a funeral director, although using a funeral director is very helpful because they do a lot of the work for you. Yes. Um, It's practical to use a funeral director, but if you don't want to, you don't have to. So and I think that's something
0: that people need could think about. or could think about. There are other ways. Yeah. It doesn't have to be sucked into spending lots of money having a lavish do. Yeah. When you would rather not do that. Yes. That's right. the simplicity of doing that. Now, when you say do it yourself, I'm just going (laughs) to go into that a little bit more. Because, I mean, that's out there. That's at one of the end of there. My parents were quite extreme.
1: Yes. It has to be said. Yes. Yeah. yeah. My dad would never spend money when he didn't have to. Fine. He was was known for holding up his trousers with a piece of string rather than going out and buying
0: a belt. (laughs) Yeah. So things like getting permission to bury a body. Yeah. Yeah. Has to be done, hasn't it? Yeah. And also, the hole has to be a certain depth, and but, there has yeah. to be a register of where the where the exactly because um, it has to be on is. the
1: deeds of the promise of the premises. It yes. has to go on the deeds so that you know you can imagine if somebody wants to buy a property and then they start digging things up and they find a body there. You know, it could all sorts of things could happen, couldn't they? They yeah. get the police round and things like that. You know what what's happened here. Um, Yeah, one thing I do remember, it shouldn't be too near a water source. That's one thing I specifically remember about it. And also, they did a headstone, but it had to be a biodegradable headstone. Yeah. So my dad carved my mum's name in this piece of wood. And then my brother, who was very into um, joinery and things, he carved my dad's name into the same piece of wood. So There is actually, the headstone is made of wood Yes, um, in where my parents used to live. So you can actually go and visit that place and it's beautiful. It's right out in the middle of the country. It's it's really lovely. Yeah, so that's just another way of doing it. And there
0: are green funerals these days Mm, where you can go to a green burial site and there are no headstones, but you have to make sure the body is disposed of in a green way basically everything's biodegradable yeah or you use the person's ashes in a biodegradable thing yeah and there's trees and things planted yes you could have a a tree planted
1: in that person's memory
0: couldn't you as well over where the body would have been yes um buried so there are options for people is what just basically what i wanted to say Yeah. yeah um along with those sort of funeral plans which are fired at you all the time and it is sensible to think about it because it is a financial cost but you don't have to do it in such an elaborate way is what i'm no, saying no but it can be part of the process for people
1: it's something that people can be talking about when they're talking about to their loved ones about that's, death and dying what right. do they want what do they want
0: yeah. yeah now i know you work in the hospice yeah and obviously that's for a reason that people are you know are dying there and be, beginning that whole process. Um, and I think the nation themselves felt that there was a bit of a cover-up with the queen about what was wrong with yeah, her and how yeah. and what was going on. But you think... <laughs> the was... conspiracy theorists. Yeah. So, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I just think it, she was going through the natural process yeah. of a yeah. body coming to the end of its life yeah. and dying. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that process? Because you know what the sort of... I don't want to say signs, Kathy. that's the wrong word, but sort of evidences to say yeah, well, somebody's beginning to come to that stage. Yeah,
1: well, it's funny because you can often talk about the two ends of your life. The, we, we are talking here about people who are naturally dying. We're not talking about sudden deaths here. We're talking no. about the natural process of dying. So when a woman is in labour or when a woman is about to give birth, there are signs... That the baby is ready to be born. Yes. Then at the other end of the process, at the other end of the of your life, there are signs of when you are getting ready to die. That's so That's a there great are, analogy. There actually, are things to, to look either. out for. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, for example, just thinking about the queen, she was taking time out. She was becoming more tired. She was doing fewer things. She was eating less. You could see that she had lost quite a lot of weight towards the end of her life because her body just didn't need the nourishment that you need when you're active and doing lots of things. So she was losing weight, <coughs> excuse me, because she wasn't eating very much. But that is that is a natural thing. One of the things that we find at the hospice so often is people say, oh, you're not feeding them. You're, you're starving them. no the The person who is in the going through the natural process of dying isn't hungry, doesn't need the nourishment. Their body is preparing itself to come to its natural end. Um, people become more sleepy; they sleep more. They don't get up so early. They don't. They they may take more regular naps during the day. And thinking about what was happening with the Queen. I think she was doing that she was she wasn't um, as active she wasn't going out and meeting people as much and yeah I think she was just not going through the natural process of dying but because the royal family are yeah. private they have to have yeah, their the pr- private life don't yeah. they so we just didn't know about what was actually happening but looking back on it I think the queen was going through the natural yeah. process of dying and I wasn't shocked when she died and there was the announcement made that the Queen had died. It no. wasn't it wasn't a sudden death. She was going through that natural process. Yes. Yeah. And I think, again, that's something we need to be talking about and not be shocked by it. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Certainly, don't start watching your elderly relatives for signs of falling asleep a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I fall asleep a lot. So it's, you know, but just be aware that that is part of the process yeah yeah they won't eat as much and they're not as active and they will spend longer periods of sleep yeah certainly that's what I'm with my granddad he'd fall asleep during the cricket and then one day went for a little rest and just didn't wake up again that's right
1: was that during the cricket
0: yeah no actually (laughs) And the ashes are just finished oh, right. ago. but yeah yeah definitely yeah so yeah. yeah i think that's that's really helpful i think I and think, there are some yeah. good books aren't there kathy yeah yeah there you are you know and some well magazines i've spoke, we've spoken about
1: katherine mannix haven't we before yeah. you know as you know i'm a big katherine mannix fan and she actually speaks about that natural process as well so it's just to prepare people, really. So she that talks not about it a bit more detail. She does. Too. Yeah, she talks about yeah. it as well. So if that yeah. would
0: be helpful to anybody. Would we'll try and make sure the details are available.
1: Yes, in the in the show notes, as they call yes. them,
0: yeah. oh, on the website. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a good place to take a break before we move on. Okay. Yes. Now, at the risk of sounding a bit obsessed by television adverts, there's a whole spate of um, ones that talk about pure cremation and instant cremation and things. And this is where the part of the um, funeral is all dealt with by somebody else and there's no relative input involved and no service or anything involved. It's literally, it does save a lot of money. But the person is cremated and that's it. Yeah. Now, yeah. have you any thoughts
1: on that, Kathy? I have. And I think what these pure cremation companies, they dwell on more than anything, I think is the financial side. They say you don't have to worry about it. You, We will just take the body and we will deal with it. But actually, when you look at the costs, it costs almost as much to do that as it does to have a proper funeral, you know, and an more traditional funeral. Yeah. If you if you look at the costs of funeral directors, um, and I find people find it sad um, thinking about the, at the at the hospice. We we have had quite a spate of people who have died at the hospice, and their family have chosen to do a pure cremation, and they have absolutely nothing to do with even what the person is is dressed in um just the person dies and then they have no option no opportunity to see the person's body again and sometimes to see the person's body it really helps people with the grieving process so it's almost like they're just sort of whisked away is almost like swept under the carpet almost as if nothing has happened Um, you don't need to worry about it, we'll do it all for you. But actually, I think it helps the family to be involved in, in the funeral, in the preparation, they feel part of it. And it helps with memories in the future, it helps with the grieving process to actually be involved in preparing the funeral and choosing things that they know that that person would have liked. So I won't say I'm completely against pure cremation, but it's not as simple as that you have to think about the future of the people who are left behind
0: i i I totally agree because i I think they're not thinking about the family no because i think there are rituals in our life that we need to mark a marking death and saying goodbye yeah it's really important very
1: important
0: and i am going to do a podcast in the future chatting with some people from king's Church about their experience of grieving, Mm. people Mm. from very different circumstances of grieving, but who've agreed that they... And so I think it's a subject just to open up, but the process of the funeral and how they said goodbye was quite important for all of them, Yeah, which I think you're kind of denying. I think
1: that's right, and I think the funeral, we often think the funeral is for the person who's died, but actually it's not it's there for the people who are left behind it's it helps us as left behind to say goodbye and i think saying goodbye is a really 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 important thing um i remember when my father-in-law was dying and he said to his wife oh i don't want a funeral i don't you know don't don't bother with a funeral but his wife um so it's not my mother-in-law it's my father-in-law's wife she said well actually mike the funeral will help me when you've died and that's you know I, I really want you to have a funeral it will help and in the end he agreed um but it took some persuading so mm. i think again it's something we need to be talking about I, th-
0: I i agree because i think there needs to be an element of saying goodbye and marking the occasion yeah, yeah. in a way that the living do but then part of that process can also be the celebration of the person's life yeah and what they've meant. Yeah. It doesn't all have to be part of you know, there can be a an event afterwards that does that. Yeah. Now yeah. so far we've talked about people who in some ways know they're gonna die. Yeah. Um uh which is not how everybody dies. There are people who are sudden deaths and there are people who um die of uh dementia and related diseases these days. That mean long before they have actually died, the person seems to not be there anymore. Yeah, yeah. I suppose is the best way that people have described it to me. Yeah, and that's very difficult for the people because they're losing somebody almost twice. Mm, Yeah. Any thoughts on that, Kath? Well, I mean, both are difficult things to address really yeah that is the case yeah i mean the thing
1: thing with the sudden death i i often wonder is it better to have a sudden death or a long drawn out death there are pros and cons for both um the sudden death the person who's died doesn't suffer but i do think often the family who are trying to remember that person i think they possibly find it more difficult um because they haven't had a chance to get used to it it's yeah, yeah, they've not had a chance to think about it it's before it's often shock yes exactly they've got the shock while. to think about yeah, yeah. they haven't had a chance to get get their heads around it really have they um and again what as we were saying before they haven't ha- may not have had a chance to discuss what that person would want yeah which
0: is why it's important to do that really yeah why it's important to so talk about
1: the, death and dying yeah. before yeah. before that that comes to us
0: because it does help to know, at least know that person's wishes, yeah, yeah, and have some idea, yeah, and have I've talked about it,
1: yeah, that's right. And the thing about Alzheimer's or dementia, I mean, we've we've both experienced parents who have died living with dementia, haven't we? I think your father and my father as well. We not, both not my father, oh, it's,
0: but my grandma. Not oh, your grandmother. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So talking
1: about living with dementia it is almost like you lose the person twice because their personality seems to change. Yes. And they forget who their loved ones are often, not always, but often they do. So I think it's very difficult. Um, I think people often find that when the person who's living with dementia actually physically dies, sometimes they find that's more of a relief because they've experienced the death of that person in their personality before when they become when they start to lose their memory and everything that goes with dementia, as you said, it's almost like the person has died twice. Yeah. So there's the the physical death right at the very end. But I think people who are trying to look after people living with dementia are finding it it, it can be really tough for them trying to look after the person who is living with dementia because their personality, their character changes Changes. so dramatically at times. It's not like the same person at all. And people often say, I feel like I've already lost them. Mm. Yeah, but they feel the... Obligation to continue looking after them physically and practically, which I think can be really tough for people. Really tough for people. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that's a that, maybe that's a podcast all in its, on yeah, its, own, it's, in its own right, actually. But the,
0: I know the you use the word relief. Certainly, chatting to people—that's the word. And I think people around those people have often said the same thing. Yeah, yeah. However, um, with that often comes guilt. Oh yes, real yes. guilt about. Whether they did enough, whether they could have done more, yeah. And I think um, that's also something that people need to talk about yeah. and 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 just talk through with people because yeah. certainly that seems to be a theme with quite a few people who've were you know lived with somebody who's had dementia yeah. and cared for them. Yeah,
1: yeah. As I say, I think that is something that we could we could talk at length about. <laughs> Yeah, a different podcast really because it is it's a massive subject I think caring for people living with dementia
0: and we've seen that with some precious people here yes who's loved ones have looked after them absolutely beautifully or eventually have had to you know make sure they're in somewhat a safe environment because it becomes a difficult and all of those things are hard for people to handle Yeah. yeah it's part of life but you know it's part of of um some of the difficulties and disappointments and things of life when somebody um actually dies during that whole process yeah and you've lost them twice yeah
1: and i think during covid that was that was really difficult for people people who were living with dementia in a care home and their families were going to see them uh, yeah. through windows and not able to actually go and be with them physically. Uh, That that just must have been absolutely awful. Yeah. It must have been. Yeah. And then not able to say goodbye properly. Um, yeah. I think I think
0: maybe that's a good idea for a future podcast. (laughs) One of the things I've done, in light of some of the things we've said, is I've made a living will, which is an advanced decision to refuse Treatment or what treatment I would um, accept. And I've made those plans along with my normal will, and I've told people about it. Wow. And because I think that's important. So it is possible to do that these days yeah. to have it legal and make sure so that if you lost the capacity to make decisions for yourself, you can still do it through a A legal document that says what you want. So your friends and family don't have to worry about what you wanted and what you didn't want. So that's one option for people. But you Mm. have to talk about these things. Now, is there a way you think it's easier or not easier? Or any ideas you've got for talking about? You know, like the sort of conversation we're having now is quite natural to me. For for me too, yeah. But it isn't for a lot of people the last thing they'll talk about so is there a way of doing
1: it yeah well everybody's heard of a baby shower these days haven't they they have
0: wonder what's coming next yeah
1: (laughs) 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 well it's not really a death
0: shower but yeah what would you bring
1: (laughs) you wouldn't (laughs) you would just get together in fact i've actually seen cafes you know public cafes open up for people to come and buy a coffee as a group of friends with the actual reason being to discuss what do I want to happen when when I'm dying. What a great idea. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's natural because I work in a hospice. And as my colleagues and I, we always talk about things. Well, if I'm here, this is what I want. Like um when you can't actually express what you want it's people people need to know yes for me if i'm in the process of dying in a bed on my deathbed for example i want one pillow i want radio 2 to be playing but not elaine page um and not tony blackburn so you know th- those are the things that we can talk about um but I think if you get together with a group of friends, people that you feel easy with, people that you feel comfortable with, and people who are likely to be around you, just get together with them and discuss it because it it's amazing what comes out when you just get together and talk about things with people. Um, when my dad, my dad had dementia, but before he became very seriously ill with dementia, we got together as a family and talk to my dad. Well, what do you want to happen? A lot of people say, well, I don't want to be admitted to hospital. Yes. So that is a big thing for a lot of people. Yeah. I don't want to go to hospital. I'm happy to be looked after at home or I'm happy to be looked after in a hospice. or But don't let me go to hospital. That is a big thing for quite a lot of people. You can be looked after at home. You can be looked after in other places. But people need to know if you don't know why would you I agree with you <laughs>
0: that was great I had a conversation with my dad about what his options were. yeah that's and right. people don't know because they haven't opened up about exactly it. yeah exactly yeah. again
1: this is why you need to talk about it and that's
0: why sometimes the living will can help yeah I think the yeah. other thing I put in my living will which was to help my the family who would make decisions on my behalf if I wasn't compensated yes yeah was so ill that I didn't know what to, going on is a dnr right which is a do not resuscitate yes and i think that would really help a lot of people if you write that down yeah into as well as if you're going in you know if eventually somebody had to go into hospital because they were poorly that they're not resuscitated beyond a you know that it's not life at all costs yeah because the hospital are obligated that's to right. DNR
1: people. They're they're obligated to resuscitate people.
0: And they you can be yeah. 98 and dying and yeah. be resuscitated. And that's just, I think that's tragic. Yeah, yeah. When actually it's the intervention of somebody who's kept them alive. So I think a DNR is quite, that's a decision people can make and chat yeah. about. And I think people don't necessarily understand what
1: a DNR actually means. Yeah. Um, people think, oh, I've got a DNAR, that means that they're not going to do anything to help me. It doesn't mean that. No, it doesn't. It just means if your heart stops beating you're not going to have people leaping on your chest and pumping and, away. And, yeah. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be treated, treated for other things and, 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 and make people sure are, comfortable. Yeah, yeah. I think people don't understand what a R actually <laughs> means and they think oh they've given up on me. It doesn't mean that at all. So I think uh, yeah, having a R is an important thing and trying to explain that to people I think is yeah, is very important as
0: well. Yeah. So so we're saying get together with your friends. Yes. Yeah. And, or family, yeah. important that who's involved. And have a little coffee together or just a glass of wine. Make yeah, it Exactly, natural, a glass of wine And have a chat better. about yeah, yeah. what you want in terms of even favourite hymns. Yeah, and but everybody talking about it together. I think it will help for... Yeah, it makes it less Yeah, because some people are able to talk about these things yeah. and some less able. Yeah. And it will help the less able people or the timid ones the ones who don't want to talk about maybe open up a bit more exactly exactly just make
1: it a a light-hearted a fun evening you can make it into a fun a fun occasion really yeah make it like a party yeah have have afternoon tea together and and a glass of wine and just make it like a celebration really and yeah yeah
0: yeah I've done this with one of my sisters and as usual we turned it we were thinking inappropriate songs, yeah, to have at cremations. I mean, I'm not gone that far at all, but it became part of just, and actually, it helped her as well talk about what she wanted. Yeah. Whereas I was quite clear about mine. She was like, "You've given this some thought," and I said, "Yeah, I have." But, yeah. it, you know, it's it's helpful to relatives. Um, and those left behind yeah thank you so much it's a pleasure I'm going to end with a scripture I declare to you brothers and sisters that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable listen listen i tell you a mystery we will not all sleep but we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed thank you god that when we know you what is immortal is made from what's mortal and when what's mortal is put into the ground the immortal rises because of the resurrection of Jesus Amen